Hi, it's Rebecca Whitman, your host of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm a top-rated life coach, an international best-selling author, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to help you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. The experts on this show will help you achieve work-life balance so that you can experience abundance in seven pillars of life, spirituality, health, emotions, romance, mindset, social, and financial life. When you have all seven pillars of life in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant podcast. We are taking you from burned out, overwhelmed, frustrated, to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. And I'm so excited because we have just been breaking records with this podcast of ours. We are maintaining our top half percentage globally in self-help. And yours truly got voted top five entrepreneurs to watch by USA Today. And I'm just thrilled. I'm honored. I'm humbled. I'm surprised. And it's because of you guys, our dedicated listeners. You're sharing this podcast out and you're spreading the word. I have the perfect guest on. She is totally in alignment with the topic of our podcast, and I can't wait to tell you all about her. Welcome to the show, Beate Chalette. Thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. This has been a long time in the making, and we are finally here. (laughs) We're finally here, and we just found out we're neighbors. We both live in Los Angeles. We could have done this in person, but we're going to do it over Zoom because why sit in that Los Angeles traffic if you don't have to, right? That's exactly right. So let me tell my listeners a little bit about your awesomeness. So Beate is known as the growth architect. She is the founder of the Women's Code. Beate provides visionaries and leaders with strategies that grow their authority so that they can scale their impact. She went from being an immigrant with over 135000 of debt to selling her business to Bill Gates in a multi-million dollar global deal. We're going to ask you about that. She is rated top 100 global thought leaders and the top 50 must-follow women entrepreneurs. She wrote a number one bestseller called How to Go from Overwhelmed to Awesome, and she is a corporate trainer for major companies like Amazon, Chevron, Merck, and Johnson & Johnson. So this is a very impressive bio, and I'm so excited to learn about your story. Where are you from? How did you sell a meet Bill Gates to sell him a, a deal? What was the company and how did you become the growth architect? Tell us a little bit about your story, Beate. Yeah. And all of this in 60 seconds or less. <laughs> so yes. yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So it's all good. So uh, I'm known as a growth architect and that means that I literally architect growth. And what that means is that I take people who are visionaries and thought leaders And they like to fly planes with big ideas, but they don't know how to land them. And I help them land the idea. And I do that in one out of three ways. I either help them to turn the talent into the business or when they have the business model figured out, I help them how to get the differentiation factor figured out, which is the signature growth system. How can you put it all under one umbrella and make it a cohesive client transformational journey? 
And the third one is then once they have the first and the second, then how do we scale this to a multiple six figure or multiple seven figure business? And what are the growth strategies to do that? So that's what I do. Originally, I'm from Germany and I was, you know, probably like most of everybody I've ever met in my entire life, you know, the person felt like they didn't quite fit in and it was always awkward and I wasn't the smartest one and I struggled. And um, and then I had this idea that I was going to be a creative and I was told because we are in Germany that the creative arts that, you know, there was so many applicants, not enough jobs. Why wouldn't I want to be a roofer or a secretary? And neither one of these Forgive me if that's your job listening, but neither one of those was really anything that made my heart uh, be overflowing with passion. So I became a photographer anyway, and I started out as a photo editor at a small kind of cool hip magazine, then moved on to Elle magazine in Germany and became the photo editor of Elle magazine, which everybody would say, wow, you're 23, you're running the photo department of Elle magazine. You know, what did you do? I quit. And uh, I quit because I realized early on that a lot of times, and this really fits into a lot of the themes, Rebecca, that you are talking about. When you are in a position of power, people will do anything for you, but it has nothing to do with you. It's your position. Yeah. Not because they think you're bold. It's not that they think you're beautiful. It's not that they think you're abundant. Your position is bold. Your position is beautiful and your position is abundant to them potentially. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I quit. I came to the United States and then I uh, had about a decade of just unbelievable hardship to overcome and disasters and natural catastrophes, September 11th, a lawsuit, a, you know, really bad employee who had an idea run a business without me and had invoices that I wrote payable to them. And by the time I found out, I mean, it was just an absolute mess. Married a narcissist, pathological liar, alcoholic, which I didn't find out until I was already pregnant. And then next thing I know, I'm going through a horrible divorce in the middle of a massive recession. And then as I am in this lawsuit, right out of the recession, September 11th hits. And then I lose my entire production business in a day. So I went from, you know, over over the course of 10 years from nothing to 300 to 400 to 500,000 back to 250. Eventually I'm at a million dollars and I lose everything in an entire year. Um, and the last bit, as I just said, was was gone through September 11th. But I had this great idea, Rebecca, on how to build up a stock photography syndication for architectural interior images. And when my photographers, because my, my strategy was that I was going to go after the top tier, the A plus people in the industry. And so, you know, first takeaway of this interview, don't bother with C level and don't, and with C players or B players go straight after A players because you save yourself the time. And if you have the A players, everybody else is going to come anyway, and you don't even have to do anything for it. And I, you know, I was able to secure great photographers and the A-list photographers were photographing A-list celebrity homes and worked with A-list 
designers like Nate Berkus and worked with A-list architects like Geary. And next thing I know, I get these unbelievable at-home stories from these celebrities. Like I had Madonna's house, Francis Ford Coppola's house, and Terry Hatcher, Simon Baker, Seal. I mean, they just kept coming. And because it was a photo edit at Elle magazine, I knew how to, how to put it together. But I was $135,000 in debt. And I didn't have any more money. And that's where we got to the cliffhanger of the story on how, you know, how I avoided bankruptcy and then sold my business instead 18 months later to millions of dollars to Bill Gates. How did you get in contact with Bill Gates to sell this business? So the way the story goes is that Bill Gates at the time privately held a company called Corbis that he was 100% owner personally. So this had nothing to do with Microsoft. That was a business that he built when, if, if anybody read the, the, the road ahead, he was talking about that, you know, he believed that in your home, the digital, uh, the digital display would take over wallpapers. And that's why he bought these collections because he wanted to put these images on these, on these digital displays, which mm. never really happened in that way. It happened in other ways, but um, that's why he started this, why he started buying these companies. And before he knew it, he had bought so much content that it kind of took on a life on its own. And he was in a big race with Getty images. And when they had bought a celebrity brand named outline, they had, uh, no way to grow this business because it was a high touch business other than adding another business unit to it. So they figured if they buy my at-home stories of celebrities, they could pair it up with the images of their celebrities and then sell more and have a higher ticket item, which was the reason why they bought me and only me because I was the only player in the market that could offer them that particular unit. Is there any way we can see these pictures of celebrities' homes? Is there a coffee table book or are these images just dispersed throughout the industry? Well, I mean, if you were to do a home story, uh, home story seal or Madonna, or you look for the term Beate Works, that's B-E-A-T-E-W-O-R-K-S, you may still find some of these images out there because they've been widely published all over the world. I mean, we were the number one player in in the world in our in our category. Um, you know, some of these images, like there's this one image that was not a celebrity image, but it's an image of a bicycle in Amsterdam leaned against uh, a railing over a canal, and that image has sold at IKEA. I believe worldwide over 5 million times. And if you look at the credit, it still says Fernando Bingo Chia by Beata Works. Well, congratulations. That that's incredible. I feel like I have seen that image from Ikea. So that's beautiful. So let's talk about the women's code. You're the founder of the women's code and I'm all about women's empowerment. So I'm curious, what is the women's code? So the women's code I designed when I sold the business to the Bill Gates company and they offered me to come on as a director, senior director of photography globally, that I said, um, I am shocked at how 
women are treated in organizations. And I am shocked how women treat each other. Now, you kind of know how this oftentimes works, you know, from middle school when, when, when the she tyrants and the queen bees and the bullying and that you can't sit at our table type of thing. But you don't really realize that this behavior kind of perpetuates into the, the, the job world and some women just never seem to really entirely grow out of it. And things were happening where I would go to the bathroom and then I come out, my whole team had gone to lunch. And then I would say afterward, um, okay, what happened? I said, oh, we couldn't find you. No, you knew exactly why. You waited until I was in the bathroom and then you all bolted for the door, which, you know, I, I guess it was also hinting on my leadership style, which at that time probably wasn't very good. But but I learned that there is a lot of stuff that led me to believe that if we want to see real change in the world, women need to have a code amongst ourselves first. If I don't know how to treat you with dignity and respect, if I'm jealous, if your podcast has more downloads than my podcast, if I'm jealous that you're cuter than me, if I'm, you know, envious of your lifestyle, if I'm envious of, of any of this, we'll never go anywhere. Because yeah. in abundance, we know that the message is there's enough for everybody. And the more prosperous I get, the more people I can help to be, to be, to, to be in prosperity as well. But women have still a scarcity thinking. And so that's why I founded the Women's Code, to give women some guidelines on what it actually means to have a code. I love that. I used to call that Code of the West, but I I like the Women's Code. Code of the West, it, for me, this was like a high school thing. If If your friend went out with a guy, you don't go out with that guy. Like he is forbidden you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Forbidden fruit. That was the code of the West, but you have, you've even taken it into everything. And I, I totally agree with you, but Beate, when women are mean girls or competitive with each other, it is because they are in scarcity thinking. Yeah. And most of the time they're competing for men's attention. You know, like women have to look a certain way or be a certain way so they can get men's attention and that there's limited amount of male attention or approval to go around. And that is what I call, you know, being oppressed by the patriarchy. And one of the ways that I love women are rising up is they're creating solidarity amongst their sisters. And they're like, no, we're not going to compete for male approval. There's, it only matters what I think of me, what, not what you think of me, not what men think of me. And, and the same goes with money or attention or anything else or podcasts. There's, there's just more than enough. I like to say there's more than enough sand at the beach. So every, everybody can sit on the beach and have plenty of sand. Um, so let's talk about overwhelm. That's a huge theme of the show, how to go from overwhelm to balance, beautiful and abundant. And how do people know when they are approaching overwhelm, like how can they catch it before they get into overwhelm? What are some of the signs to look out for? I think for women specifically, it is an undefined tension. I, before I went uh, on a trip to Costa Rica and I just come back from an ayahuasca retreat, I, I said to my husband, I said, I feel so in 
incredibly tense inside, I can't relax. Hmm. So if it's difficult for you to relax, if you are doing things that add more friction to your life, like you're constantly looking at your phone, you've programmed your mind, your nervous system into overdrive. If you are always busy, if you have a hard time sitting down for five minutes, if you can't meditate for five minutes, if you can't take a deep breath because you have this pressure on your chest, you probably in overwhelm. Mm. So if there are no more po- if there's no more pocket every anywhere where you can give yourself permission, like like you know, I wear a Fitbit. A Fitbit has like a two-minute breathing breathing program on there. Two minutes. Two minutes. Like you could go in the bathroom and do that. Mm-hmm. But when you're overwhelmed, oftentimes you don't even have time for that. Right. That's when you're overwhelmed. Those are very good telltale signs. If you can't even sit down and breathe for two minutes and just take a breath and a pause, then you're going too fast. And I think that is happening. It seems like technology has sped everything up. We can get so much more done from our phones that instead of creating more efficiency and free time, we're like addicted to doing more, 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 more. And people are are stressed and, and stress is the number one killer. So it is really important to follow some of the principles we're going to talk about and, and just prevent overwhelm because you can get where you're going without overwhelm. People think that speeding up gets them there faster, but sometimes, sometimes you get to slow down to speed up because you're more mindful and you're more precise in what you do and you don't make as many mistakes. What do you think about that phrase, slowing down to speed up? I actually think that based upon what you just said, I I had to learn this or remind myself again of this because our natural tendency is control. Mm -hmm. And the natural tendency of control is I have to do more. If I don't get what I want, it means that I'm not doing enough. And the educational system tells you that, your parents tell you that, your boss tells you that, the television tells you that, media tells you that, everybody tells you you need to do more. And this FOMO, the fear of missing out, is constantly fueled by internet marketing. Like, if you don't do this one thing, then the dominoes are not going to fall. You're going to be missing out on this one in lifetime opportunity. It's only available for 15 minutes. You've got to go back to what we have control over. And I, you know, first of all, I was just at this ayahuasca retreat. And then I um, went to an Abraham Hicks event. And Abraham Hicks is very big on law of attraction. And it's such a good reminder to say, what do we really have control over? What we have control over is the vision. What do I want? What does that look like? The objective, the goal, the vision. That's your job. The second part you have control over is receiving that. Because if I truly believe that 1 million downloads 
is what I want, then I need to be ready to receive the 1 million downloads. The sourcing, I mean, you have to do the actions that it takes to put things into motion, but the actual sourcing is done by one source. And one source is God, spirit, universe, the energy that rules everything. So if you get to meddle with the one source and you try to tell the one source how you would like this to be delivered, that's never going to happen. That's the friction. Because then you're trying to convince the one source that you deserve what you said, which creates the friction that prohibits you from getting what you want. What does that mean? What what causes the friction that prevents us from getting what we want? Just trying to trying to control the uncontrollable because we're in resistance. Exactly. So if I, for example, say, um, I have a successful business. I believe I have a successful business. I know I have a successful. I I hope. I hope I have a success. I, I hope it works out. I hope it works out is already friction. Mm -hmm. So then you don't believe it enough. And the, the language that we're using and you know, and, and Rebecca, I'm probably just like anybody else. It's a constant work in progress. You always hear yourself talk about this. I don't have the money for this right now. Hmm. Really? So the minute you say that, you already put it out to the universe that there's not enough money. So how are you going to reframe that? That, you know, we come from the abundance principle. So I think that the friction is something that we create because, again, we are so programmed to make these excuses. Well, it's a recession. It's a really hard time for building a business right now. Well, most everybody's scaling down on their advertising. It's probably wise if I do the same thing. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you just already set that into motion because it's, you, this is what you said. So how do you reframe that so, the, so that the attraction of abundance is not limited by the fear that creeps in? And the fear is what we have to overcome. So how do we get ourselves ready to receive abundance? You said we have, we're only in control of the vision and our receiving of it. How, how do we get into receptive mode? So, so this is um, something I've been really playing with. And it is finding a thought that gives you overflowing joy or that feeling. It's a, it's a song, your favorite song. And you go, tell oh, me hear that song. It just makes me feel so good. That's a good start. I, my daughter had a baby five months ago and I was in the room. Aww. So that, that the thought of seeing that, you know, the, 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 the crown coming, yeah. you know, coming through the birth canal and being there when my, my grandchild was born, that fills me, that, 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 that just makes my heart burst. Yes. So. You need to find that origin thought of joy. And on that thought, you spin that thought further and further until it gets bigger. And then it becomes a blanket. And then the blanket goes over everything. That's how you get yourself in that, in that particular vibration. But you can't convince yourself. 
you can't enter into a screaming match. I'm abundant. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Bank account doesn't say so. Well, but I feel abundant. No, you're not. You know, that doesn't get you anywhere. So it is better to say, the area in my life I'm so abundant with and I'm so grateful is love. I've been blessed to watch my grandchild being born. I'm already abundant. I can't actually believe that thought because it's true. Mm -hmm. So there's no friction. There's no screaming match. And then I can say things like, I wonder where else abundance in my life is going to show up because there's another no friction thought. I love that. One of my favorite teachers told me to have an attitude of curiosity rather than expectation. So Mm -hmm. saying, oh, I wonder where abundance is going to show up in my day and just, oh, I can't wait to see what happens. Where is abundance going to show up? What unexpected miracle am I going to receive today? So it's asking yourself questions that don't create contrast, to use the Abraham Hicks term, I'm a huge fan, or friction. That, that is great. That is gold if you're listening to that. So let's segue into the authority conversation. I know you are a thought leader on creating authority and helping that, using authority to scale businesses. What does an authority, being an authority mean and why is it so important, Beate? Yes. So the first thing I'd like to do, Rebecca, is I would like to just define what authority actually is because that that already gets confusing. Yes. Authority is not an influencer. That's an influencer. Mm-hmm. Authority is not celebrity. That's a celebrity. Now, a celebrity may have influence and an influencer, uh, a celebrity may have authority over something and an influencer may have authority. But the term authority really means an industry expert or a subject matter expert. If you want to be an authority, but you're really trying to be an influencer or a celebrity, you already have friction, which we just talked about. And that's why that typically not works because it's a different business model. Gary V's business model is celebrity, Mm. not influencer. It's celebrity. That's why he has an opinion about everything and anything. And why is anywhere with all kinds of different things and products that he endorses because he wants to be a celebrity? That's a different model. For most of us and for most of your listeners listening to this podcast, authority means you're an industry expert. So you first have to establish what the transformational influence is that you are the authority on. And that is when you get really clear about this. Yes, you can talk about nutrition. You can talk about beauty. You can talk about hair care. You can talk about uh, fitness. You can talk about business building. You can talk about abundance. You can talk about the law of attraction. Now you have all these subjects and you feel just because you have a microphone, you want to grab every mic and talk about anything and everything, that's not authority. That's confusion. I'm an authority on growth architecture. I architect growth. Within growth architecture are particular processes and systems. Mindset, action set, skill sets are part on architecting your growth. 
Yes, you can build a business without mindset just by, you know, hard work and following certain processes and systems. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to make you very happy, but it is possible. I also don't attract that kind of person, but it is possible. So who I attract are people that understand that there's a spiritual component and there's a balanced component and there's a happiness component and that they want to live complete, balanced and wonderful lives. So I help them architect a business model that works. That's what I'm the authority on. So to become an authority means the clarity on what you can speak with confidence on and making sure that all the pieces that you do are fully aligned with that one thing. And then there's no confusion or friction. Wow, that is very well said. So why is being an authority important to make money and scale your business to the next level? The best kept secret is like the pearl in the oyster that waits for a diver to come and discover it. It is really entirely up to you on you know, the, 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 the listener to say, how fast do I want to do this? What am I willing to do? And authority does not necessarily mean that you have to grab the mic on every stage. There's all kinds of different ways to build authority. You can write, you can do podcasts, you can do podcast guesting, hosting, you can speak from stage, you can do it through social media, you can do it through events, you can do it through partnerships, through collaborations, through networking. I mean, there's tons of ways to build your authority. You're just going to have to build a business model that follows in integrity who you are as a person and what your vision is of the life you want to create for yourself. And then we reverse engineer how this authority piece needs to show up for you to attract your potential clients. If somebody is maybe they're leaving their corporate job and they have a a passion for something that they've been that they've received transformation in, just for the purpose of this example, let's say they were on a weight loss journey and they lost a bunch of weight. They want to launch a business in the health and wellness uh, industry. So many people have lost weight. How do they? How does someone start? If somebody's a beginner, how does somebody start building their authority? Yeah. So the very first thing that I want to recommend is you go to the quiz that we literally just finished building. It's called "What's Your Talent Worth." You go to whatsyourtalentworth.com because I get this question, Rebecca, so often. I actually. I actually just built a quiz for it because people say, well, is it even worth it? Well, allow me to assist by putting this mathematical formula together. It takes like two minutes and then it'll send, uh, send, send it to you in, like, uh, in the next five to 10 minutes, the results. And it'll give you an actual number and it'll tell you what your earning potential is in this market for what you're trying to do. Because the factors of this are what's your expertise? How long, you know, how long have you had this expertise? What is the desirability in this market? And so it calculates based up on these different factors and it spits out a particular number. And then when you see that number and you see what your earning potential is, which I always would do before do anything else, is to say, and now and now what? Well, now you need to 
build the business model. You need to turn the talent into a business, which happens to be our very first program. And we revamped this. And that's why this interview with you is so unbelievably timely because last year I was still in the high ticket, in the high ticket world. And I saw that there was a significant shift in the market. And I know you did, you know, you, you seeing the same thing that there are more people that want to enter entrepreneurship and make their own dream happen and less people that are looking for, you know, $25,000 masterminds to join. I mean, that's just my opinion. That's just what I'm seeing. Yeah, I see that too. And so if we see that this is a trend in the market, then we have two choices. We either can go and judge everybody who's trying to do that, or we can say, okay, with my expertise of shortcuts and architecting growth, what can I tell these people? And I can tell anybody, I can help you build that business model in 12 weeks and you'll have an actual functioning business model. Because I've done it, you know, I've, I've done this program a couple of years ago and it's, you know, we had over 22,000 people that have taken this program. And so I updated it and I said, well, what needs to happen today for that? So, so the steps are figure out what your earning potential is. Because mm-hmm. you have to somehow figure out, is it worth, is it worth doing in this market? And then design a business model. What I don't want your listener to do is now go from internet marketer, internet marketer to internet marketer. And you go and you look at one offer that says, I'm speaking from stage. Speaking from stage is great as an additional strategy in a business model. Speaking from stage is not a business model. Mm-hmm. It is a vehicle. It's a tactic within a business model. So now you, let's say you do that. Now you get the next affiliate offer and the next affiliate offer after that says, well, you need to make an offer from stage, which makes perfect sense. So you buy that. Now you learn how to make an offer from stage. Now you get the next affiliate offer and says, well, don't you need to create a funnel for that? Now you go, that makes sense. Now you start to create a funnel. Then the next offer comes is like, how do you fill that funnel with leads? So you buy that offer. And next thing you are in a reactive mode of, I wonder what the next thing is. and then. The next thing will come. I rather have you design the business model first based upon your capabilities, your desire, your vision, your income goals, how much time you want to spend with your family. Do you want to travel? I mean, oh, there's so many factors. And you know, there's so many factors that go into this. You want to build it to suit you. And then we look at the external tactics and say, is speaking an option or would podcast guesting be better or hosting because you never have to leave your house if you have small children? Why would you be 200 uh, 200 days on the road if you have a two-year-old and a four-year-old? That's insane. Right. These are great points. So if you're listening, take that quiz. It sounds really, really cool. I'm going to go take it. (laughs) Uh, I can't wait to see your number. (laughs) I I bet it's a big number. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. I can't wait to take it. So what are three elements to become an authority? So the three elements really are, you always need to work on your mindset. Mm -hmm. Mindset is, is absolutely critical. Clean thinking. Don't believe everything you think. Uh, you and I are big Abraham Hicks fans. Uh, it's 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 a daily practice to keep yourself in in that proper in that proper mindset. So you set your intentions, you set your expectations, 
and you and you have to keep practicing that forever and ever and ever. The second piece is is growth. Because you always want to look where is the next piece? Where 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 is the next growth opportunity for me? So if I have a podcast, how do I grow my audience? How do I how do I get this in front of more listeners? How do I get better engagement? Is the topic of my podcast clearly defined? Um, am I guesting on podcasts? Am I clear on the one message I go on these on these shows? Am I getting engagement response from these from these podcast guesting opportunities? And the final piece is strategy. Strategy is everything. I know it doesn't sound sexy. And a lot of people go like, oh, Beate, strategy sounds so German. Um, but without a strategy, you're just a ship without a compass, sailing God knows where. And maybe you arrive and maybe you're not. So you must have a strategy to go anywhere. Okay, you heard it. Mindset, growth. And strategy. I'm taking notes on this podcast. This is great. Okay, so what are some common mistakes that leaders make in growing their authority? So what are what are some of the things that we should not do in building our authority in the marketplace? Don't try to be everything for everybody. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I was just on a, uh, I was just giving a talk this morning. I don't go on podcasts to talk about nutrition, mm-hmm. but I am very involved with the food that I eat, but that doesn't fit. So I'm not an authority on that. I don't want to be an authority on that. I don't talk about that. And it's a decision that I make. It's a strategic decision to say, authority building means you have a message that goes to an audience that has a problem that your authority can solve. And what you shouldn't do is anything that boycotts that. So the minute the message gets diluted, the minute you divert away from that audience to say, well, but women over 60 could also use that. But your core audience was a 30-year-old man. Now you get now now you get into 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 trouble. That doesn't mean that somewhere down the road you can't expand another thing and say we came up with this hack and we found that this really but to build authority, the focus is really required. Hammer down on that one message again and again and again with clarity. I'm the authority on this because people have this problem and I have a solution to this problem. And here's the person that has this problem. And my message is directed toward that person that has that problem because I have the solution. Stick with that. Stick to one, one pain point and one solution and one ideal client. So is that what you do forever? You just have like one offer for one pain point or do you, can you expand once you build your authority in one area, can you be an authority in another area? Now that is the best sneaky question I got. So 
Uh, I love that because you picked up on this and this is the fear of everybody. This is why people don't do it because they think they're forced into niching. I'm right. a, I, I'm for denichizing. I, I made up this word because the, the nichezizing I think is a bunch of BS. So here's how we solve this in growth architecture. It's so simple. The longer you're in business, the more you know. And now somebody comes and tells you, you have to niche down. And now you want to pull out your hair one by one. You said, that's ridiculous. Uh, it's a journey. My clients are on a journey. I, I can't just go and talk to them about selling. I also know, you know how to align the marketing with the selling and the team building. So we have the right thing and, and the leadership mindset. How can I... Uh, that would be preposterous. And then a classic, you know, uneducated, not uneducated, but a, a regular consultant will say, well, that's what everybody says. That's just what you have to do. You get rich in the niche. So here's how you circumvent that. You put an umbrella over everything you do. Everything you do gets organized in your signature growth system. That's like my favorite thing in the world to do where we take all the pieces that, you know, so how do we, uh, abundance, overwhelmed? How does this even all go? It's a transformational journey. How mm -hmm. we get from uh, overwhelmed to abundant. It's a journey. You are the umbrella. They, the niche is the umbrella, not the overwhelmed and not the abundance. The niche is the umbrella that sits always. Your signature system. That allows you now to catch people in different parts of the journey. You have different entry points. You have different programs at different price levels. And everybody's happy because you, they say, Rebecca, oh my God, when I came to you, I knew I want to get from overwhelmed to abundant. But I knew I wasn't fully overwhelmed and I wasn't really at abundant. Thank God you had a program was smack in the middle where I could, I could, I could work on my mindset to really invite this next level. Thank you, Rebecca. It creates customer satisfaction. It creates different entry points. All your programs fit, but that that typically takes, you know, it takes us about a day or two half days to go in and just pull it all apart and then put it back together, organize it and have this full transformational. Everything gets a name. You know, every entry point has a name, you know, like to turn your talent into a business if you have the idea. The signature growth system, if you have the idea, but no differentiation factor. The growth strategy, if you have both, and now you're ready to scale this up. That's our transformational journey from the idea to a, whatever million or multi-million dollar business. The umbrella is the growth architect. The beginning of this interview, you referred to the differentiation umbrella. Is this the point that you're making now? Is this also yeah. called the differentiation yeah. umbrella? And Yes, Why do you call it that? Why is it called the differentiation umbrella? Because most people, when you talk to them, would say, what do you do? I'm a business consultant. Mm -hmm. Then in their mind, they go, I neither have the money, nor do I want to hire a business consultant. Conversation is over. But when I say I'm a growth architect, there is in 99.9%, .9 always the second question. Oh, never heard that. What does a business growth architect do? Now I can say I architect growth in these three different categories. Now they are thinking, oh, never thought about it like that. No, I feel like I got my business. No, my business model actually doesn't work. 
So uh, I have a question for you, Beate, you know, and now you are in the conversation that you really want to have. So the differentiation factor is, in my opinion, and I'm of course biased because I created this, but without that, it is so difficult to set yourself apart because then you're a podcast host. Then you have a mindset show. Then you have a business consultancy. Then you're a strategist. You're a life coach. And it sounds so generic that people then are forced to look at the differentiation factor, and that is price. And that is not where you want to be. So your, your brand, your title, your authority is a differentiate, differentiation factor in your teachings, not... There's a million coaches, and the only thing that's different between all these coaches and is the price. You want to be in a whole different category, and that's the difference in the blue ocean. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I love it. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. I'm so <laughs> excited to continue it on your podcast. Yes, 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 so, yes. So all you, everybody needs to check out the Business Growth Architect Show because part two is right there with Rebecca. That's right. So check out her podcast and how can people keep in touch with you? And we already talked about the quiz. You can go ahead and repeat that website and any other ways that people can interact with you. Yes. So the best way is, as I said, you know, do something for yourself, figure out what your earning potential is. Go to whatsyourtalentworth.com. It takes uh, two minutes. It's a mathematical calculation. And then we have to go behind the scenes and then a formula runs and we'll send you the report and then you'll know exactly what that number is. And if you heard something in this podcast, we say, I really want Beata's brain in my business. Just schedule an uncovery session. Make sure you mention the show so you get priority treatment and we'll, uh, we'll help you figure out what's going on in the business. And if we can help you, we'll tell you. If we can't help you, we'll tell you. And if we know somebody who can help you, we'll we'll tell you that too. So we're here. We're here to help and serve. And I'm everywhere as Beata Chalette and the Growth Architect. I'm hard to miss. Thank you so much. And ladies, if you want to hack, have the guy that you're dating take that quiz and see if they have earning potential. Because if they don't have any talent or any earning potential, drop them, right? I, I love that. Oh, and I wanted to say one more thing. And for everybody listening to the show, please do Rebecca a big favor. Subscribe to the show. Give it a five-star review and make a comment, even if you just drop a heart into it as a comment. But with AI now ruling everything, engagement is measured in these types of things. And you see the dedication Rebecca has to her tribe. Help her out to spread the love. I appreciate it. Yes, we love five-star reviews. Thank you so much for the shout-out, Beate. And thank you, listeners, for going on this journey with me. Some of you guys have been listening to this now for over three years, and I'm getting a lot of great feedback saying, I'm no longer burned out. I'm no longer overwhelmed. I'm no longer in a dead-end toxic relationship. So keep the reviews coming. And thank you so much for being willing to go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant with me, your host, Rebecca Whitman. And until we see you again with another amazing guest, keep your vibe high and magnetize. Bye, everyone. 
Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for being a devoted listener to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I so appreciate your subscription, your reviews, sharing this podcast with your friends. And if you feel called to work with me on a personal level, I want to invite you to my Elegant Warrior training. It is starting in mid-January. I will personally help you get all seven areas of your life to a level 10. That includes your spirituality, your emotions, your romantic life, your financial life, get your mindset on track, make sure you have a great community. And this is a seven-week group coaching class. If you want to learn more about it or just meet me, I would love for you to schedule a complimentary breakthrough call. My schedule is very full this year, but I have opened three spots this week to talk to you and just see where you need a breakthrough, where are you feeling stuck in your life. Maybe you need to lose a few pounds. Maybe you're tired of being single or maybe you're ready to double and triple your finances. So wherever you feel stuck, I'm committed to helping you have a breakthrough on this coaching call. Go ahead and click the link in the show notes in the link tree to schedule that breakthrough call. And if you're interested in learning more about Elegant Warrior Training, I am happy to talk to you about it live, or you can always reach out through my email. Talk to you soon. Keep rocking your goals and keeping your vibe high, and I'll see you next week with another incredible guest.